the fire. People talk about the empowering, and I said, no, aborting children is the most chauvinistic thing you can do. Because, you know, when you say it's just my choice, so it's not the father's choice at all, and you've yeah. reduced, and you've, and, and men then become less manly. They, yes. Instead of taking on their responsibilities, they say, well, here's 200 bucks, you, you deal with it. And instead, we should both be thinking of the child is an incredible thing that both people should be saying, wow, we have the opportunity yes. to take on this responsibility, and it will change us, and it'll make us better. Welcome to Through the Fire, cutting through the passions, clearing the smoke, of the cultural confusions of the world today. Talking God's love and God's solutions from a biblical Christian worldview. And now, here's your host, Marie and Gregory Seltz. The doctors are in. Hello, hello everybody, I'm Marie. And I'm Greg. Welcome to Through the Fire, where we are on the case to tackle the tough issues and the chaos in the culture today with some psychological, and theological explanations and applications. It's January, and I hope you are not freezing cold where you are, but I hate to admit it, I really love this time of year. Yeah, you know, this is a major disagreement in our house. (laughs) You know, I'm looking for the tropics in January, and my beloved loves single digits and snow. Well, maybe not single digits, but I do love snow. And honey, I mean, we each have our preferences, but you know, I, I really love to make the house cozy when it's cold outside, don't you? Yeah, I know you do, honey, and it, it is cozy. Yeah, and while it's usually beginning, you know, it's just usually beginning through the throes of winter this month, this month is actually pro-life month. And it's, you know, recognized across the nation, around the nation, at least it should be. And it's a time when Christians and all pro-life-minded people get ready to take the life message to Washington, D.C. in one of the largest human rights peaceful presentations in the world, known as the March for Life. And we will be there again, God willing, uh, this year in Washington, D.C., representing the LCRL. Are, are you excited about this, honey? I, I, I look forward to this every time of year, but I also look forward to the time when we don't really have to do this, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and this right now we're closer than ever to that being a possibility. And just so you all know, right now uh, we are battling COVID in our household, so we're actually quarantining um, as, you know, as, as required. And uh, so if we sound a little bit different, that's the reason why. Well, the lozenges are helping wonderfully. <laughs> But, you know, and the, I hate to say it, but the, the COVID stuff could be a, a problem for the march again this year, although I've been told that it, it could be, and I, I think you know this too, it could be the largest march uh, ever in history. But uh, we'll see what happens with the politics in Washington, D.C. too. But it's, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal event, the largest peaceful human rights protest in the world. And, and, you know, when you say the largest peaceful, we've, we've been hearing a lot of different protests uh, called peaceful that are anything but that. But, you know, I have to be really clear here. This is extremely peaceful and it's, it's one of the most it's, civil. It's uh, positive. I, it's hard to even call it a protest, but that is right. what it is, right? Right. And I guess that's why I get really, you know, I get really excited about the march. Uh, you know, I especially, I love the energy. I, I love the positivity. In, in fact, if you've, if you've ever participated in, and you know what I'm talking about, it's a gathering of people. It's joyful. Um, and then the other thing, too, is the growing diversity that people who are gathering. They're coming from all over the place. 
from literally all walks of life, from every age group. Uh, it's amazing. And in fact, when I was at the Dobbs case, mm-hmm. you know, before the Supreme Court back in December, I was amazed at the diversity of the pro-life groups outside on the steps. And I mean, ideologically, not just ethnically. I even or saw age-wise, either. Well, age too, right? But mm-hmm. I'm athe- I saw group atheists for life group protesting against abortion. And now I'm not even really sure what their argument is, but they come to the same conclusions as we do that every life is precious, even sacred, and that the government's job is not to allow the killing of the most vulnerable among us as a viable option. So I just thought, you know, amazingly, the the pro-choice argument is just that: if a child isn't viable. Even though it's fully human, it can be dispensed with. And there's a lot of people rising up and saying, that just doesn't seem right. That's right. That's right. And the main question with the Dobbs versus you know, Jackson Health case that was argued before the Supreme Court in December, for the first time, the Supreme Court is taking on a case that is going to the heart of the abortion pro-life debate in this country. Namely, if a person is human from conception to natural birth, viability is not an issue for extinguishing that life. But it is to protect it. The main role of government is to protect the vulnerable from the powerful, the good people from the criminals, to lay a foundation for the dignity of all human life and defend it. I mean, wow, it's pretty amazing that we have a case like that before the court. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's pretty amazing. I think, and think about it this way: um, it took fifty years of hard work to get the narrative to this place. And I think that's why these marches are so important. It's not just the marching. You know, it's the messaging and the doing each year that it was demonstrating to everyone why the sanctity of life was and is. It's a fundamental principle for our for our country. You, you can't really live a free life uh, justly without it. So just like faith in God, a general respect for the life of another person is a foundation for a civil society, a humane community. And I think that the organizers of the march have a lot to do w- with taking the cultural narrative back. You know, it's funny. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, I think it's it's actually becoming cool again. I, does that sound right? You know, to say cool again. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you know, when you think about in the out in the public square, out in the culture, you know, to be a pro-life person, I think for a long time, that's not a cool position. Mm-hmm. That was kind of uh, supposedly the position you weren't supposed to have. But uh, I just saw that a national football player from the Jacksonville Jaguars, tight end Jacob Hollister, he chose a pro-life organization, Life Action, as his charity of choice for week 13. So think about that. A time in the NFL when players are spotlighting, you know, the showcase their charities, he chose that. And here's the theme. He said both, and he's talking about the mother and the child, have equal worth and demand equal protection. The only difference is the baby doesn't have a choice. And he was just talking about it as a positive thing, like it's a wonderful thing for our whole culture to honor all people to that degree. And he's he actually was allowed to do it. I think it's incredible. Well, what I really like about the fact that he stood up, um, he wasn't worried about confrontation at all. He was worried, well, he was, I wouldn't even use the word worried. He was concerned that people might not, or might misunderstand him, right? Mm -hmm. Because he really does value, and I think this is a great point. He says both the mother and the unborn child in the womb, right? The pre-born child have equal protection. Neither one is more valuable than the other. And I think that's really important to make this difference, or make this difference. definition because people on that are pro-abortion 
they always levy that charge against us that we don't care about the child once it's out of the womb. We don't care about the mother who's carrying this child. And that is so untrue because all of us care about all of them, all of life. And we do try to provide, but it's not, here's the thing, it's not really our responsibility to provide for that, right? But we still do it. We still try to support and offer um, help and assistance, but it's not really our responsibility. It's really interesting that they give that charge on us. But, you know, I love that he did that because, I mean, wow, I mean, really, there's finally something good, right, <laughs> <Yeah>. from politics <laughs> and sports. I mean, who would have ever thought that such a view would be uncool, though, right, that, mm -hmm. to be pro-life, to say that you're a pro-lifer? I mean, it's amazing to think that it's taken so long to get to this place from that day in 1973, but truth is worth the effort. Yeah, it is. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this march goes, I mean, it's been taking place how many years now? Yeah, we're, we're getting close to the 50. I think this is the 49th year. Right, and, and it's amazing to think about that because, like I said earlier, even though we are all like-minded people coming together to, to you know, proclaim the sanctity of human life, um, it's something, it's a message we hope that finally people will understand and we don't have to take it to the streets anymore. I mean, when you and I first uh, got, were in the ministry, I started working in pro-life clinics. I, did, I served in Brandon, Florida. We uh, did some work in New York City. Uh, you did too as well. Well, yeah, but I mean, you were on the front lines of a lot of that though. I mean, you were actually counseling girls who were coming in you know, they were coming in for abortions a lot of times. Oh, most of but, the time. But we were just counseling them and, and even supporting them. Remember when the Catholic Church worked with us in New York, we took away that charge that we don't care because uh, the, we would actually pay for the mother and child for all of their uh, needs and, and, and until the day the child was born uh, so that she could bring the child, um, uh, you know, to birth. And if she wanted to keep the child, that was fine, too. So, you know, what a... What an incredible thing, but you're on the front lines. Right, uh, but it's even beyond that. I've got to correct you. I'm sorry, but it's even beyond that because once the mother delivered the child, we also provided them a home because a lot of them are kicked out if they're young, if they're young girls. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I didn't just counsel the, the young girls, the, the mothers. I, care, I counseled their family. Uh, I counseled the partners um, who, who were, I mean, the fathers, you know, that were the biological ones that <laughs> right. to these children. So, I mean, and, and we try to keep the families together. Right. And we would also um, provide a home for these girls and then childcare so they could go back to school if they needed to or trade and get a job. So there was this, you know, this this little bit of, of, of support that went out and, until they got back on their feet. Right. So we do care. And so when people say that, it's just really a cheap shot. It really, really is. Well, and, and like I said, that was one of the things, and this was back in the 90s, too, uh, to realize that, you know, we're helping people take responsibility for their lives, which is the greatest thing we can do, but we were aiding any way that we possibly could. And I just, like you said, I, the, the charges that were often levied were not just, they were caricatures. They were cheap shots, but they were also just caricatures. And so that's why I said the pro-life movement has had to take back the narrative because it really is a positive one for all people concerned. 
Yeah, the other side is so ugly when you think about it. It's so, so ugly. It, it shows very little concern for the women. Honestly, it really does because as a counselor, I see the after effects of the women that come in, the, the trauma that they've endured, the guilt and the shame that they have. And it's not because people on the pro-life side have heaped this upon them. It's called moral conscience, people, because women are born nurturers. Most of us are. Now, there are people that, you know, that don't fall under, you know, that kind of definition as of a natural nurturer. But by and large, most women are born to have children and protect that child. So when you go against that, you feel that that is built into you. Yeah, that, that maternal instinct, you know, I always say that when a maternal instinct, I've seen the maternal instinct when uh, mothers were defending their boys if they had a bad basketball <laughs> game against the girls. I mean, I've seen that kind of stuff happen. And I always said when a woman can overcome her maternal instinct, uh, that's got to be, that's a scary moment. But, you know, but I also, I, I read an interesting article. Did you see that one where it was talking about, I, I think it was a program right around Christmas time, and they really were trying to elicit abortion stories, which I don't know what the point of that was, but they got all, instead, they got all of these pro-life stories about people who were in really tough situations, uh, and yet they, they brought the baby to term, or they got regret stories about people saying, hey, it wasn't a, it wasn't an empowering thing. Did, did you get a chance to take a look at that? I did, and, and actually, the reason that they did that is because right now we do see that there are fewer clinics, and there, there, you know, there are a few more restrictions. So their point was to try to give women a voice or people who uh, a voice who are maybe pro-abortion in the U.S., Be, you know, with the Supreme Court's decisions coming up that will, you know, limit the right to abortion even further, we hope. They, that was the whole point that they were trying to do here. Okay. But instead of that, they received just an amazing large number of responses from women uh, and not just women, but mostly from women that had were filled with regret. And also those that said, you know, they chose life instead. And they, they pleaded for us and for other people to please stop saying that it's empowering to choose abortion and that it's freeing to choose abortion. And they talked about how much guilt and regret that they have and how every day they think about what this child that they that they killed would would be today and and it was just something that was not expected by you know the people that were trying to get this information and let me say you know they tried to be very scientific about it they had them fill out forms and give their consent to sharing the information that they were sharing and acknowledge the sensitivity of the topic although you know if it's something that's you know, you, you should be able to do and be proud of. Why is it sensitive? I don't understand, but still they, they, that's what they were doing. And they asked questions like, was it expensive for you? Was it something that was affordable? How far did you have to travel to have this termination? How far along were you, were you in your pregnancy? And these are helpful for people to know because, you know, when we're looking at how many babies are getting killed late term and, you know, what are the number, um, what is the most important factor or factors that came into your decision to have the abortion? And let me say this, I'll so the later term, I mean, this is a great risk to the to the woman's health. And I don't know that a lot of women are getting counseled about that. But it's, you know, sometimes you you have scarring and you have things that happen that prevent you from having a baby when you actually want one and plan one. Yeah, and I, I especially loved some of the stories about um, one of the gals was talking about how it looked like her child had Down syndrome. And so they said, you know, abort it. And she said, my child is healthy as can be today. You know, so again, all these kind of stories, stories about people who, 
you know, in really tough situations, decided to to get married, to have the child, or decided to bring the child to term, and it was the best decision they ever made. Those are part of the discussion, and we need to hear those stories. Right, and there were women, and and I know, you know, back in the day when when we were living in New York, there were women that had decisions that were really tough because maybe the babies were conceived out of rape. And you, you sit there and think, well, you know, there's no right in this situation. I mean, it's just tough, right? Because they've been wronged. on. You know, it's just terribly Yeah, just everything difficult. seems wrong. Yes, everything does seem wrong. But these women said, no, you know, this, this baby's half mine. This baby is mine. And they chose to carry this baby. Some of them chose to raise the baby and others chose to give the baby up for adoption. But they talk about the gratitude for choosing not to abort. So some of these stories that came in from this, the, this analysis or poll or whatever you want to call it, the, you know, the 538. Uh, and by the way, that was on December 25th, like you said, uh, on Christmas, Christmas Day that they did that. <laughs> well, so when you think about the baby Jesus being born on that day, right, yeah. and, and what the, these children could be, I thought that the timing was excellent. You know, for me, what I'm saying is that, again, the pro-life narrative is so much more expansive and it, it it's so all-encompassing and it's been caricatured and demonized for too long. And so, you know, I was just reading a quote from C.S. Lewis that hit me when we were thinking about the March for Life. He said, a man can't always be defending the truth. Mm -hmm. There must be a time to feed on it. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we've got to do a little more feeding on it. I know January is a time to defend the pro-life position. And again, I'm still shocked that people demonize and caricature it. But I also think it's a time to feed on it and to learn from it. So just hearing those other stories, when you hear the how incredible it was to when they honored life and how empowering it truly was for them. So when we Christians talk about faith, we're talking about faith in God who gives us life. We're talking about, you know, having life in Christ's name, and He is the way, the truth, and the life. And life is a precious gift from God. It's a foundation to, to our essence. It's what it means to be human. And it's what gives us purpose. You know, sharing the gift of life faithfully in him with other, to others. So life is much more than just the mundane things that happen day to day. Though even from a pro-life perspective, even the day-to-day the -day stuff really matters too. Absolutely. I mean, and here's the thing. Whenever you give birth to a child, right, you don't know what that child's going to turn out to be. You don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen in our life from day to day. So when we sit there and think in fear whenever we're trying to make, you know, you're already nervous. So making a decision like that and, and thinking I'm not capable, the world's not capable, and this child is just not valuable enough to try, it's it's very hurtful. It's a wrong perspective. You know, we really do need to think about the real truth, the opportunities. If you're here, there's a reason you're here. There's a purpose you're here. There's a reason this baby is inside you. There's a purpose for that child, too, in this world, and its contribution to what's going to happen in this world. And you've got to believe in that, and you've got to feed that, and you need to plant that seed in that child whenever that baby is coming. You need to hold that, and you need to grow that. And, you know, I love C.S. Lewis. I mean, he was not always a Christian, was he? No, I mean, he, he came to faith at struggling with these kinds of issues. And, and like you just said, you know, just thinking about the child as the potential of what that person can be and how you actually participate in bringing that child into existence and how God actually wants you to learn about him as he gives you children and family, you know, husbands and wives, all that kind of stuff. That's a whole different way of looking at life. And so I think in January, we've got to kind of feed on the truth 
that sanctity of life is a very, very compelling and empowering position, right? Absolutely. It's a very important and empowering position, not just for the women, but I think also for the men. And sometimes we leave the men out of the story. And sometimes the men feel like they shouldn't be part of the story, but they actually are. And that's one of my main um, objectives this year. And you know that I talked about it. And it was supposed to be last year, but the whole COVID shutdowns and all those things kind of prohibited me from being able to do that. But I'm really wanting to get the men to stand up and be fathers and take responsibility and know you do have a voice. And you do have a say-so in what's happening with your children. And you do have uh, a responsibility to raise your children uh, in faith and as godly men, not big boys who wear bigger shorts that hang down below their knees. <laughs> Y'all's got, y'all's got to put make... that in there. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the big shorts anyway. But, but, you know, well, I used to always say this too. I said, people talk about the empowering. And I said, no, this, aborting children is, is, the, is the most chauvinistic thing you can do. Because, you know, when you say it's just my choice, so it's not the father's choice at all. Uh, and then the fathers are like, well, here's 200 bucks. And you've yeah, reduced. We'll have an abortion. Yeah, you, you've reduced and you've. You and and men then uh, become less manly. They yes. instead of taking on their responsibilities, they say, "Well, here's two hundred bucks. You you deal with it." And instead, we should both be thinking of the sexuality that comes to fruition in a child is an incredible thing that both people should be saying, "Wow, we have the opportunity yes. to take on this responsibility, yes. and it will change us, and it'll make us better." Which is the next C.S. Lewis quote that came to my mind because he said in in the Pilgrim's Regress, he says, there's no excess of goodness. You cannot go too far in the right direction. (laughs) And I really like that because you can go too far in the wrong direction and you can get way down the wrong path and it can be a hard way back to the right path. But on the right path, there's no excess. And so when we start talking about this, the pro-life cause, I don't think we can go too far here when we talk about how each life is precious. And I think that's why I love the March for Life, because every year it takes on themes mm-hmm. and it tries to say, listen, if you're pro-life, then this is who you are too. And I one, one time I said pro-life is pro-woman because oftentimes it's caricatured as not being that, or it's pro-science or pro-family or pro-fathers like you were just talking about. This year it's going to be talking about pro-equality in the womb and on and on. And, and it's such a positive message, right? It's very much a positive message. And listen, oftentimes the pro-abortion side tries to depict itself as being most compassionate, most caring. And it's actually the opposite. I want everyone to, I mean, I'm saying this because of the experiences and the stories I've heard firsthand, the work I do with the people who have had the aftermath effects psychologically, and which, by the way, impacts you physically, it impacts you emotionally, mentally, psychologically, relationally, for the rest of your life. So, you you know, this is not something you go in and you think it's going to evaporate and go away. This is a very serious, serious decision that people uh, need to be aware that of the impacts that they're making in this kind of a, a decision. You cannot go back and fix. You cannot go back and recorrect or yeah. correct that mistake, right? Well, you know, why don't we just take a step back a little bit, too? I mean, if there are people who are experiencing the difficulties 
of either past abortions or they're struggling with where they're at right now. I mean, that's that's your work here. Uh, why don't you talk about condescent counseling a bit? Absolutely. Um, so if you are someone who is struggling with a decision or have made a decision, listen, there's forgiveness, but one of the hardest things to do is to have forgiveness for yourself. But call us. We are here to help you, and, and we can. if we can't help you, we'll direct you to someone who can. You can reach us at 636-368-5383. That's 636-368-5383. Or the other number is 657-325-8635. That's 657-325-8635. You can also look us up on the web at cccc-usa.com. That's Condescent Counseling and Coaching. We're here for you. Um, this is a very serious topic. It takes great priority for us. And, um, you know, there's no shame in reaching out and asking for help or just letting, just talking something out. It can be a one-time thing. Yeah, we've been talking about um, how the narrative, you know, that's one of the things about the March for Life that I really, really enjoy is that they create a narrative, an expansive narrative, because you can't go too far with this, because it's such an all-encompassing message. You know, it's not just about children in the womb. It's not just about women who are pregnant. It's about life. It's about your life. Your life has purpose. Your life has dignity. I mean, that's the point. It's it's an all-expansive thing. I love one year when they said pro-life is pro-science, because everyone thinks... The Christian worldview is somehow anti-science. That's silly. Um, actually, pro-life is pro-science because the minute the baby's conceived, it is a human being. And just to think about the fact about the Bible says that God know, knew you when you were in the womb. You know, think about that. That's how much he cares about you. And then the other thing, like Marie was talking about, uh, pro-life is pro-dads. Moms and dads, we need both of you on deck. Absolutely. Right? And and I think one of the things that one I... One is not more important than the other. Right. Well, but, but again, in God's economy of things, male and female, he created them, and families are the trinity of civility, I always say. <laughs> and, and that's where all, all of the good stuff starts when people try to have healthy families and try to actually be good dads, good moms, and children who, who love their parents. And I think... I know we... We treat this like it's Ozzie and Harriet in the 50s. You know, get past the caricature again. Committed families do matter. And dads, you guys are a big part uh, of a positive message. And the March for Life includes you. Absolutely. So I just want our listeners to, to know and to share that, you know, this very special day is Friday. January the 21st. So please keep the march in your prayers. Every year there are obstacles to be faced. Sometimes it's the weather, sometimes it's politics, and this year COVID measures will still or could still be an issue. But you know, we're told that this might and is supposed to be, and we're hoping will be able to take place because it should be the largest march in history. Wow. Yeah. And all that is to say that um, we need your participation, we need prayers so that this movement may continue to grow and the, be the blessing that it can be for, for our people and for our country. And if you cannot attend the march, please look it up online. You can send in your contributions to support the March for Life. Jeannie Mancini um, is the director, principal uh, principal operator there. I don't know what her real title yeah, is, but she's, president she, of the she march does for everything. Life. So you can contribute there. You can support her and the work that she does and works so very, very hard for um, don't yeah, you think so? Yeah, for, 49 years and counting. And I got a chance on the Liberty Alert to to interview Jeannie. So I think you can listen to that uh, as well. But 
it's such a positive thing. She's, I think she's been at it for 10 years, but she talks about how the very first women that gathered in 1973, they just wanted to gather and say, you know what? This was a mistake. It was a mistake to say that the child in the womb doesn't matter. That's right. Um, it's not to say that that solves all problems, but it's a mistake to say that's that's the solution. Yeah. And this thing has grown into this incredible thing 49 years later. And again, if you've never participated, it's one of it, it's 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 a surreal uh, thing to see young people, old people, and everyone in between. There there's joy of saying, "Hey, we think your life matters too. And when we say that, we're saying that to even to those folks who disagree with us. That's it's just an incredible experience. That's right. So there's lots of pro-life groups that you can support out there. There's Lutherans for Life. There's um, LCMS, uh, Lutherans for Life too. That's right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and, and again, there's the March for Life. So we, we ask that you pray for us, support us, and if, you, if possible, get out there and march with us. And as always, remember there are two kinds of fire in the world. The one that burns and consumes. And the one that burns and empowers. May God's word and God's love burn brightly in you, giving you strength to face any fire. Till next time, little embers, I'm Marie. And I'm Greg. See See you you soon. Through the Fire is a production of Family Vision Media. FamilyVisionMedia.org